It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. You know who that's? Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for part two of the weekend mailbag. So we bring back our friend who is the host of Pace's Playbook over on our YouTube channel and, of course, a contributor at playlikeajet.com, Kayla Pace. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Garlic Powder. He says, if the Jets sign a cornerback in free agency, do you still want them to use a first-round pick on one? Depends who they sign. If they get J.C. Jackson, then no, they don't have to use a first-round pick on a cornerback. If they get a guy who's maybe at best a marginal starter, I might, depending on how the board falls. Everybody knows I'm a big Sauce Gardner fan, and Kayla also is a big Sauce Gardner fan. It's funny, Kayla, because every year it seems like we're completely in sync on the cornerbacks. You were a little biased last year because J.C. Horn was a South Carolina Gamecock, but still, I think we're both... (laughs) big fans of Sauce Gardner and we were both big fans of J.C. Horn. It really depends on what they would do at cornerback before I could give you this answer. If they get a stud like Jackson, then no, they don't have to. But if they don't and they're in position to get a guy that I think is a lockdown corner, then yeah, I probably would, especially if they could get somebody like Gardner by trading down a little bit from number 10. I brought this up to somebody the other day, but Let's say the Eagles really wanted somebody like Nicobe Dean. I'm just throwing that out there because the Eagles really need a linebacker. And Dean, his stock is going to rise through the roof, I think, as this process plays out. So let's say they decide they really want him. Joe Douglas has a relationship with Howie Roseman. They talk. Maybe the Eagles are willing to flip a second-round pick to move up from 15 to 10 or 16 to 10 or 19 to 10 or whatever, and the Jets can slide back and get somebody like Sauce Gardner. I would totally do that unless they go and get a real legitimate good starting cornerback to go with Bryce Hall. If they do that, then okay, don't need to go and draft Gardner. But if they don't, then I probably would. Yeah. So Scott, it's funny. I feel like our initial bond over the Jets was we need to get a first round corner. And my thought on this has gone up and down so much over the course of the season. There was a point where I was like, eh, not necessary. We're we're good. Don't need it. And then as the Jets defense kind of fluctuated up and down, I was like, okay, I think I think I'm back on the first round corner train. And um, obviously my guy Gardner, um, our guy Gardner, how my bad. <laughs> but, no, I have to say, like he is a stud, mm. and I talked to some people about the college football playoff, and there's a lot of discourse on on Twitter in person with people about, oh, should Cincinnati be involved? And I was like, the main reason I will give you that Cincinnati should be involved in the college football playoff is because there are several 
future NFL starters on their defense and they deserve that chance to go play. And I think that they, they definitely showed that. I mean, obviously the score of the game was not in Cincinnati's favor at all, but there's guys out there who are going to be NFL players making plays Gardner being number one among them to me. Um, I would love it if the Jets took him. I think that, but like you said, if they go out and prioritize a corner in free agency, which to be honest, I don't think they should do. I get that JC Jackson's the guy he's going to be tough to get, like you said, but um, I think that corner is a position where the guys age out pretty quickly, where it requires a level of athleticism and speed that as guys get older, they, they slow down faster. So I would like to think that drafting one young is the way to go because obviously those guys are coming in, they're youngest, they're fastest, they're hungriest, and they're trying to make a name for themselves. I like to see that kind of guy playing that spot because when you get comfortable and you get older and you start to slow down, there's not as much juice there. So I would like to see Gardner as their corner pick. I'm not huge on Derek Stingley. I know a lot of people are. Um, For me, it's just... He had that great year when they were playing in the national championship and they won for LSU. And like, I loved watching that LSU team, probably my favorite college football team I've ever watched. But since then, he has just not been the same. I mean, he has a lot of great traits and he's shown that what he is capable of, but I'm just not seeing him as a guy that's going to transfer super well to the NFL. Um, And hey, I know that's a hot take to a lot of people, but I'm preferring Gardner over Stingley 10 times out of 10. Um, hopefully that doesn't come back to bite me, but we will see. Um, but yeah, I mean, corner wise, I think that they should try to aim for the draft, but like you said, Scott, if they're, if they make a big signing in free agency, then it's not a necessity. I would just personally prefer to draft a corner. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Meyer of NYC. He says, first of all, thank you for the great coverage throughout the season and now the offseason. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. And you're more than welcome. I really appreciate your support. So does Kayla and so does Chris, who's not here. He's a very big deal. So I'm sure that wherever he is doing his very big deal thing, he's nodding his head and agreeing with me that he thanks you for your support of his work. Placing yourselves in Joe Douglas's chair, what would you focus on with the first few picks, offense, defense, or best available players? So I was talking about this on Twitter, and Kayla, I don't know how you feel about this because some people seem to not love my idea, but this is how I would approach it, ideally. My thought is, if you can get Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau, or Aiden Hutchinson at four, you have to take that guy because they're just too good and you can't pass them up. If you can get Hutchinson or Thibodeau, great. That's even better just because of the need, but Evan Neal is just too good. If you don't get one of those guys, you try and trade out of that spot, pick up some extra picks. I'd probably do the same thing at number 10 if I could. My ideal scenario would be to get one of the pass rushers at number four, Thibodeau or Hutchinson. If not, trade back and try and get Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, who I think is probably the third best pass rusher for this particular system. And there's so much to like about him. He's not getting enough buzz right now. 
I just think that he's so well-rounded and can be a really, really good pass rusher in the NFL, a double-digit kind of guy. Maybe not as good as Hutchinson or Thibodeau, but that second tier right below them. And Sauce Gardner is another one I would try to trade back a couple spots and get him. So ideally, I'd want Gardner and one of those top two pass rushers, if not Jermaine Johnson, and I would trade down, pick up extra picks. With the other two second rounders, I would go all in to get Trey McBride, the tight end out of Colorado State. I just think he's the best tight end in the draft. He can do literally everything. Great run blocker, phenomenal pass catcher, plus athlete, tough as nails. I think he's the exact type of tight end that they've been desperately needing for a really long time. They haven't had a tight end that gave them a true matchup advantage since Mickey Schuler, and that was in the 1980s, so it's been a while. Then I would go and get Zion Johnson, the guard out of Boston College, if you can get him, because he's a perfect fit for the zone scheme. On top of that, he plays guard, he plays tackle, he plays center. Ideally, he's a guard, so you plug him in right away with Elijah Vera Tucker. And now, if you have those two guys, this is what it sets up. It sets up my next move, because if you've got Trey McBride, who's an excellent run blocker, and you've got Zion Johnson, who's also an excellent run blocker and an excellent pass blocker, you've now added a major weapon for Wilson and a major protector for Wilson, but you've opened things up for the running game. I like Michael Carter a lot, but if we're keeping it real... He's 190 pounds. He's not a guy that can touch the ball more than 12 to 15 times a game if you don't want him to get killed before the end of his rookie contract. The Jets really need a stud running back, and that would take a ton of pressure off of Zach Wilson as well because if you can hand the ball 20 times a game to a real bell cow type of running back, and then you still have Michael Carter to use as your change of pace guy, catch some balls out of the backfield. It really diversifies your offense. And if you've got that tight end that can block and you've got those guards and a returning Mekhi Becton who can just bulldoze in the run game, that opens things up too. I think, and this is just a hunch, that one of the top three running backs in this draft, whether it's Brees Hall from Iowa State, Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, who I think is the best of the three, but all three are great, and Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M, any of those three slides towards the end of the second round, I would probably make a move up using some of the capital that I got from trading back to go back into the second round and get one of those guys. So you come out of this now with those first, say, five picks, and you have a stud guard in Zion Johnson, a stud tight end in Trey McBride. So you've now given Wilson a weapon he desperately needs and a protector he desperately needs. You fix the two most important positions on the defense at corner and edge rusher, two spots that you're going to have a lot of trouble fixing in free agency and that desperately need to be fixed if you want this defense to not be terrible next year. And by making those two moves in the second round, you've now made my last chess move, getting that stud running back, very important. So that's what I would be looking to do. And then from there, you can strategize because it's early and we can talk about all the different trade down scenarios and picks and all that but that was the scenario that I was working out I was talking to Chris Walker my co-founder at playlikeajet.com about this and we were sort of going through this and that's sort of where I'm at right now my opinion on this could change it's fluid there's different things that are going to happen throughout the draft process but Kayla what do you think of my plan here do you think it holds water are you a fan of it what do you think so my first thought was why don't the Jets have you working in the front office (laughs) (laughs) honestly I mean I don't think I could have written it up better myself like that that was pretty much filling all of the major holes that you can with the draft capital that the Jets have 
I mean, that that sounds like a great plan to me. One thing I will say, um, because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do my own whole scenario like that. You pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, there are some there, there. I think there's enough good defensive ends in this draft that you don't necessarily have to take one of the early ones. And if you miss on those two, obviously those guys have separated themselves from the pack. They are the two best defensive ends in the draft. Everyone wants them, and I get that. But if you do trade back. And this is, again, going to make me sound like a homer, but you know what? I ride for my team. That's just what I do. Enigbari from South Carolina. <laughs> he is projected as low first, early second. You end up with him. First of all, I guarantee he will be showing out at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you can mark that down. And when it happens, I want you to call me and just let me know that you saw it. He is a great player. Big guy for South Carolina this year. He was definitely missed in the bowl game, even though, you know, Shane Beamer still got covered in Mayo. So that was pretty much a highlight for me. Um, but I think that there are guys that you will be able to get later on that will be impact players. Maybe not the defensive rookie of the year candidates, but long-term solid guys later on. So if you do trade back from that fourth pick, um, what I would like to come away with is a corner a wide receiver and a defensive end. And I think that that's still very much attainable if you trade back from four and you can do that and get guys that will be high impact. And I like everything always ends up focused around those first couple picks. And I understand why. I mean, those seem like the guys with the highest ceilings, but a lot of the times you see guys going in these uh, later in the first or, I mean, think about how many times you look back on a, an NFL draft order and you see like the redrafts and all this stuff and guys that went between like 20 and 32 or like, why weren't they top five? And so you just got to consider those things. I mean, the, the talent evaluating is not an exact science. And some of these guys are just having like one good year in college. That's going to uh, get them to the NFL. See Denzel Mims. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that um, there's definitely lots of potential probably deeper than uh, of a draft at that position a defensive end especially than we're being led to believe just because there's some some flashy guys with some uh, highlight reels that went a little viral um so but yeah i mean otherwise i mean i am all for the colorado state uh trey mcbride pick um Here's a little fun fact about Colorado State. This has actually happened yesterday. So I'm a I since I do college basketball too, I um I, I preview Colorado State all the time for CVS. And you know, I collect foam fingers. So I was watching the Colorado State men's basketball game the other day and I emailed their basketball SID because they had custom foam fingers in the crowd, and I wanted to know if you could send me one, and he said yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I now have a custom uh, Colorado State three-point foam finger on the way. So, yeah, they're, they're great in my book. Love the Rams. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, but the Trey McBride pick I think would be great. I think Charlie Kolar from uh, mm. Iowa State would be good, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hey, to end up with, like, Kolar and Brees Hall, their offense was pretty awesome at Iowa State, so – We'll see what happens. Uh, I think Zach Wilson would be a, a big upgrade from Brock Purdy. So I think that it would pan out pretty well for both of them. So, I mean, but again, I think that your whole plan of, of how you plan on like plugging these guys in and how you're going to get those picks, it all makes a lot of sense. I think it'd be great. 
And once again, it's all with a little asterisk at this point because free agency could flip mm-hmm. the whole thing on its head. So we'll see. Next question comes in from Jason Klein. He says, we say this every year, but is this the most important offseason in recent Jets history? Needs at almost every position, two top 10 picks, two early second round picks, cap room, and a clock starting to tick on Zach Wilson's rookie deal. The Jets can't waste Wilson's rookie window the way they did with Sam Darnold. In recent history, yeah, this is right up there. If it's not the most important, it's certainly near the top. When I first read it and I thought it said, in history, I was going to say no, because obviously there have been times when the Jets were good and the offseason meant the possibility of upgrading to the point of going to a Super Bowl. So it wouldn't be as important as that. But in recent history, yeah, this is certainly right at the top. As you said, they've got all the pieces there to make this work. They've got two top 10 picks. They've got a ton of picks throughout the premium rounds beyond that. They've got money to spend. So there's a lot of flexibility here. Joe Douglas sort of had to tear this down and start to build it up from the ground up. And this is going to be one of the most important years in his tenure as Jets general manager. It may very well make or break what happens to him going forward. If he nails this draft and Zach Wilson turns out to be what we all hope that he can be, then we very well could see the beginning of a Jets team that could go on one of the most sustained, successful runs that they've had in a long time. If he doesn't hit in this draft and Zach Wilson doesn't turn out to be what we're hoping he can be, Joe Douglas ends up on the hot seat or fired. Robert Sala ends up on the hot seat. And in two or three years, you and I, Kayla, are having this conversation again and pulling out our hair and wondering why we're Jets fans. So, yes, this is a very important offseason. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I do think, too, that obviously Jets fans are impatient, as they should be. But I think that the fact that people feel like there's finally a coach in place that can do something with the talent that's drafted, that kind of ups the ante even more. Because I don't think that a lot of people had a lot of faith that Adam Gase was going to turn even a player with the most potential into some NFL star, especially after his first year. I mean... I don't think anyone was looking at him thinking, oh, yeah, this this is the guy who's going to make this player a star. Like, absolutely not. I think now, though, you have this team of Douglas and Sala who claim that they're so in sync and they're, they're, they're on the same page, they have the same vision, and people believe, I think, a little bit more in Sala than they did in Gase. I would at least hope so. Um, but so now these guys that are drafted are expected to get on the field and make an immediate impact in what's supposed to be a good system. And so if these guys don't live up to these expectations, then it looks even worse on Joe Douglas because it's like, Hey, we have this head coach now that you claim that you're so in sync with and everyone seems to have a lot of faith in. And it's like, and these guys still aren't panning out. It it just adds a different level of pressure um, but I think based on this last year and the guys that were picked and and how they worked with Salah's system, I mean, obviously the Jets went four and 13. It wasn't some spectacular show to watch, but there was so much more promise and the team really did seem to develop. And there was more flashy performances and times where you saw potential in the guys on the field. And obviously that'll come with more reps. Hopefully you get wins. Um, and that like they start to become a team that can play late in the game. They're not scoring just in garbage time, like keeping things close and learning how to grind out wins. That should all come from adding more talent and being well-coached. And so if the Jets think they've solved the well-coached part of it, 
adding more talent is what's left. So if it doesn't pan out, then it starts to get ugly there. That's going to wrap up part two of the mailbag. Follow Kayla on Twitter at KP underscore on underscore TV. Make sure you check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some great videos up there taking a look at Dalton Schultz, who could be a Jets target, free agency at tight end. Speaking of tight end, he's got a great video up there of Trey McBride, the tight end out of Colorado State, and what he thinks McBride could do for the Jets' offense if the Jets were to draft him. He's got a video up reviewing Zach Wilson's most recent performance against the Buffalo Bills and breaking down how he went from being a turnover-prone quarterback to a turnover-free quarterback. That's all on our YouTube channel right now, so check out those videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store at tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, mugs, hoodies, caps. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.